Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sander Lanch podcast. Today, we are starting a brand new book. Well, for us, anyway. We are reading Warbreaker by Brandon Sanderson, in case you haven't figured out what the whole theme <laughs> of the podcast is by now. So this week, we read... Yeah, that's what the show is, right? We're not, <laughs> we're not throwing in a random, like, R.A. Salvatore or anything like that. It's no, kind we, of in the name. Yeah, no, we're gonna we're gonna go and read some some uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory actually, uh, or was that the what the book no. called? Yep, Roll Doll. Yeah, Roll yeah. Doll. But anyway, Roll Doll. Yeah. The today we read the prologue and chapters one, two, and three of Warbreaker, wherein we meet Vasher as he gets thrown into prison and does some some magic. We meet Siri and Vivenna and their dad, and there's not much magic happening there. And then we meet Lightsong, and what the hell's up with that guy? So uh, a lot, a lot of introductions here. And I told you guys previously that uh, I think it was Jamie was like, hopefully the names aren't as hard here. And I was like, I don't think so. And most of the names are relatively easy, but I'd forgotten the penchant in Helendrin for double consonants so we're going to deal with that here in a minute anyway i'm data and with me today is jack jamie and joe so hang on to something everybody the sander lanch is about to begin to emerge and to breathe anew for a purpose so far from my own and this world i've awoken to seems familiar but somehow unknown and the branches of gold on the skyline reach out to the sweep of the stars. The beginnings and endings of lifetimes, a guidance of light from afar. Down, down, down. So the song that we used this time was called Fallen Leaves by Miracle of Sound, and it is the Elden Ring song that he did. So I really uh, hopefully you guys will appreciate what as soon as he released that one, I was like, oh, I'm using this one for Warbreaker. This is, fits perfectly in my head. So uh, hopefully, audience, you can uh, give me give me your thoughts. Do you do you agree? Do you disagree? What do you guys think? Apparently, it's well, the 20th song we've used. Yeah, look at that. I mean, I say that I'm looking at one uh, looking at the list and like, I don't know what the hell we use that song for. But we'll which one? Savior's Seed. It's number 17. Oh, Savior's Seed. That's what I use on the. Uh, on the Patreon for the, the Patreon uh, oh, things. Okay. I used it originally for the Bastille versus the evil librarians book, because that was the first one of those that I did for our Patreon. And I thought that that song was appropriate for that book. And then afterwards I was like, if I come up with a different song, each book here, I'm then going to have to do it on a, a second song for each of these. When we read them on the actual program, that'll get annoying fast it's hard to come up with one that fits sometimes so i was just like you know what i started with this one i'll just use this one for all of them that's just the patreon song now yep exactly yep cool yep yep Uh, everyone enjoy that song so yeah we new new world new magic system new characters what did you guys think of these first four chapters uh these were these were fun you know exciting to get into a new book like a a new full-on novel on a new planet first time since elantris elantris Prologue was was interesting, but but man, they were throwing around the the magic system phrasing without context. Mm-hmm. I was like, woof! All right, there's a lot to take in. Interesting stuff. We see him animating like a little doll, and then his cloak and stuff. 
and his sword can apparently talk. <laughs> uh, so th- that that made me think, oh, Dan, uh, Dan, Brandon is getting his D&D stuff into this book, apparently. <laughs> uh, the evil talking sword. But no, that was that was cool. Um, I like the princesses and their thought processes. Light Song, don't really know what to make of him at this point. But I am very intrigued, and I'm like, ooh, okay. I like this whole, you know, colors get duller or brighter depending on what's going on in the world around you. That sounds really... That, that more than anything else, sounds like, oh, man, this would work well in a visual medium because mm. that would be fascinating to look at. True, yeah. Yeah. There's just... I, I, I do like you're like, they're throwing all this terminology for the magic system around. I don't know what to make of this stuff, and it's true. It's like, He's like, really yeah, throwing uh, this in the deep end. Yeah, I mean, I remember like in like even like in the prologues of Mistborn when we had no context for anything at all. It's like I know he used his powers, but it was I think it was a bit more subtle than this. He wasn't just like a and then using my alimantic ability of tin, I did this. I was like, whoa, Jesus Christ! Yeah, it's true. They're uh, like Kelsier kills Lord Trusting or whatever, but we don't actually see it. It happens off screen, and they're like, how the heck did you do that? Yeah, I remember it's. I distinctly remember, like, in that prologue, he said it's like he burned tin, and we're all just like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> um, but I think that was the extent of it. Yeah, it was just, it was very little hints about how any of this worked, and here we're getting, like, dump. Yeah. And yet it's still mysterious. Mm, mm. Yeah, I really liked it. I don't know why, starting the new book, I'm like, cool. I have no idea what just happened. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> But no, I, I thought, like, yes, it's a dump of a lot of information, but my brain is already buzzing about what this system is, and I think it's really cool. I'm a big fan of, like, colour-coding things in my life and that everything is just so with colours. If you speak to any of my co-workers, they'll give me all sorts of crap about highlighters and whatnot. So, yeah, I thought it was really cool, and I'm really keen to, like, learn more about how the colours work with certain sounds and like the perfect pitch and all that sort of stuff. And when they were talking about the, like the dots coming together with the colors to make the script that's for the, the gods or whatever they called it really good at explaining it. Um, <laughs> it, it just, it all sounds really, really cool and bringing to life things that used to live kind of gave me back vibes of, Oh my God, what's her name? shy um okay yeah how when she could stamp something it sort of had to be believable it's like to give something life it has to already live but i thought it's really cool and i think there's going to be some really interesting things that you'd be able to do with that i thought the way he killed is it var var yeah yeah um that was really interesting kind of want to know what he did but yeah i'm really excited i think this is like obviously still not knowing what to expect but knowing more about Sanderson I'm really excited to read the next next set of chapters like I would think more so than I was starting Mistborn like Mistborn I had no idea what to expect this was even kind of like my first real trip down fantasy writing Mm -hmm. but I'm super keen to know what happens next that's a good position to be in yeah yeah (laughs) and of course this is standalone so right yeah, <laughs> nothing to go on to. But, like, all the characters I think I'm really interested in. There's no one yet, and I realise that it's the first set of chapters we've read, but there's no one that I'm like, oh, I can't stand you yet. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm excited. It'll be good. 
See, I was actually curious, given given some of uh, what we've seen in characters you like or don't like in the past, I was wondering if Vivenna would annoy you or if you would uh, be interested in her. So, I think if we'd stopped a bit earlier and only had met her as this obedient, completely under control individual, I think maybe I would have been a bit annoyed with her. But because we've... I think we've got that little bit of extra information. There's some more depth to her and we've already had what's going on in her head. She's like, she's not just okay with how this has gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and given that it, what's just happened, having her sister sent off is a huge change in her life, not just like her life and her day to day, but she was literally bred to do this. And now her purpose is gone. And she's about to disrupt her brother's purpose and her sister's purpose has completely changed. And I think watching what she's already going through with that struggle is really interesting. So there's more depth to her. Yeah, for sure. There's uh, definitely more depth. Maybe you would probably say that about both her and her sister than uh, what what they first come off as, for sure. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, so for me, Vasher was really fun crazy talking sword that kills people on its own pretty awesome idea i had to like there were so many things going on as as the other two have mentioned i had to like take notes and every time i came across a word of like that it's a person's name or was something that i didn't know i underlined it so i could reference it again if it came back later or if it was explained so i feel like i'm actually as 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 much information as we got as much tasty knowledge nuggets as we got i feel like i am actually feeling pretty confident or at least as as completely understanding of what's going on as I can be because I made all these notes. So I'm going to continue to do that, especially since this is a standalone book yeah. uh, for sure. But uh, yeah, breaths, uh, biochromatic breath. You know, I, I tried to understand as much information as I was given. So yeah, the the prologue, I, I enjoyed quite a bit. The uh, I will say that I I really, if we hadn't gotten that extra bit with with Vivenna and Siri, I would have to say I before that I was not liking any of their family. They all seemed like extremely selfish and uh, self-serving, self-centered people. And I know her dad's like couching that in the frame of I'm protecting our people for longer, but he seemed the most selfish in what he was doing. Um, you get a little bit of sentiment in the following chapter when she could tell he didn't really want to send Siri, but he thinks she's going to die. But it's like, literally you send you, you protect your oldest daughter to send your youngest daughter to die. Mm-hmm. I like, ooh, yeah, I, I did yeah. not like any of that family at all. Um, after, after he decides to send Siri, to to that other kingdom so i was i was not i was not happy with those decisions or or that character at that point and then other than that you know we've got light light lightborn light light song long song yeah so interesting these guys that like come back from death even though they don't know if they actually died because they don't have any previous memories of their life uh and some of them come back and are then become because they come back they're now considered gods and get their own priests and their own palaces and stuff that's pretty wacky (laughs) definitely wasn't expecting that when light song came on the scenes like oh he's a god and uh you know he was a normal guy before but um 
yeah, very interested to see where that goes. And I've already got some theories. I feel like I, we're at an advantage knowing about shards and things like that. So I've already got some theories on how this stuff might work. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, excited to see uh, what's ahead. But yeah, uh, definitely interesting stuff so far. Yeah, that king doesn't seem like the best guy. I mean, he, he's like, no. I, to save my country, I'm going to have to send a daughter. But um, I'm going to send the most innocent and carefree of my daughters because I like my older daughter more. Yeah, yeah. Can't and, send the monk. And I'm going to send the lady who's entire the you know, I'm going to send my daughter who's entirely unprepared for this because she was never supposed to go and do this. And the daughter that, you know, was being prepared for this her entire life. I'm I'm going to keep her here because I need her here, even though her brother's already been training uh, to do what I want her to do. And then also, you know, so it makes complete sense that Vivenna at first I'm like, really, she's so selfish that she's thinking about herself, that she's not going to be able to fulfill her purpose when her sister was just sent like without having any previous expectation of this but then you know you see it she's like well i am gonna go and i'm gonna advise her because she needs my help like that you know that kind of made it better saved it a little bit i I still wouldn't say it completely saved it but Mm. no i get that there i mean the whole family's not horrible you got the 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 monk sister she's nice (laughs) she seems all right i don't know something about her seems like not underhanded but like super like apathetic like, even though mm. she's in an obviously very caring job, it's like, I think by virtue of the fact that she has to care for everybody, the people that are closest to her, she doesn't care as much about them because she's caring for everybody equally. Which, I mean, you know, if you're in that kind of work, I guess that's the the uh, the position you should take, right? It's like, well, I'm supposed to, my job is to care about everybody equally, so I have to care less about you if I'm going to care about everybody else the same. Yeah, that's fair. And I was going to touch on your uh, and we'll get to talk about them more when we get to Light Song's chapter. But in this book, we're going to go back to having some annotations that I can reference. And on the topic of the fact that we now have annotations that I'll reference occasionally, there is one about the similarities between Warbreaker and Elantris, where he points out that the gods in this story are kind of similar to what we saw in Elantris, where you like die and then you become a god. But they actually come from kind of opposite ideas of what he wanted to show, where he was like, in Elantris, we had men becoming gods, but when we saw them, they were like these fallen, like with no power, essentially. And so I wanted to do this thing where we were looking at men who had become gods, but like at the height of their political power. And there's also a a, a pretty significant difference in how powerful Elantrians actually are with how powerful these gods actually are. It's a very different sort of power. So, yeah, he's he's like, you guys will probably see the similarities, but hopefully you can appreciate the kind of opposite nature of them. Mm, Opposite. Does that mean the shards are opposite? Shakus! There were two two shards on Cell, and they were both long dead, apparently. It's true. Maybe Maybe this one is too. You don't know. Or, or there's the opposite of, of dead, then he must be alive. <laughs> there's gonna be five shards on this planet. You just watch. Jesus. I don't I don't see how five is the opposite of two, but whatever. <laughs> well it's an odd number, and two's an even number. I don't, I don't know. I got it. <sighs> okay, let's 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 move into these chapters, I guess. So in the prologue, we start out with Vasher being like, you know, it's weird how many things begin with me getting thrown into prison. And Brandon actually has an entire annotation about or a, a section of the annotations about how he came up with the first line. And uh, it's 
it's not all that it's not interesting enough that i'm gonna go into it but uh it's just he came up with a funny thing about like oh it says why does it always have to end up with me getting thrown into prison was the original line that he liked and he's like well that doesn't really fit here because he intentionally did it so then he had to switch it up i like it how we can't even get one line into the book without getting adaptation (laughs) (laughs) that's actually uh the third in in the first page of annotations, there's two before that. Oh, one of them, oh my one, god! One of them dealing with where Vasher's <laughs> name came from, which uh, is, was based on an old girlfriend's dad's name. His name was Vance, and he's like, "I like that name, but I need to change it up a little bit." And Vance. somehow made it to Vasher. Yeah, yeah, Vasher thrown into prison. It had a very Oblivion vibes to me. Like, oh look, I'm starting this game in prison. Hmm. I think all the Elder Scrolls games start with that. Skyrim, you are jailed, but you're heading to an execution. You're not in prison. Yeah, I guess. This is actually one of the books that I've seen people talk about that they think would make a great game with this magic system where you're like, you have a certain number of breaths and you got to cobble something together and try to make it do things. Hmm. I play that. That sounds like I don't game, so. (laughs) But so, yes, Vasher's in jail and the guards are kind of jerks. He even has that line about it. It's weird how... In these kind of places, guards end up being no better than the people that they're guarding. And the city is called T-apostrophe-T-E-L-I-R, which I always pronounce Tellier. But, yeah, mm. the, the people of this nation, Halandrin, have a tendency for these double consonant uh, things. And it uh, it is the part about this book that makes some pronunciations a little tricky. Yeah. Is there a pronunciation guide like there was with? Oh, there um, might be somewhere. I have, I'm I'm going to look for that later, and maybe we'll come hmm. back to it. And so we uh, they like bright colors in Halandrin, which is the land of returned gods, lifeless servants, biochromatic research, and of course color. So there's right there, and like the third paragraph is like, oh, here's a bunch of terms, lifeless servants. That doesn't sound fun. And apparently Vasher got himself into a bar brawl where he beat up 20 dudes and then punched a priest. And punching a priest means that you're going to hang. So they take their priest pretty seriously in this town. Although now that we know he was intentionally in prison. Yeah. It's like, cool, you sort out a priest. <laughs> Staged a bar fight. <laughs> and yep. then popped him. Genius. Yeah. This guy Stabbed right him real here. good. That's how you know you were going to get to exactly where you needed to go. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And we find out that uh, it says Vasher doesn't have much breath, capital B, but it's enough that he has an aura that can change mm-hmm. colors when they get close to him. So breath, capital B, underlined that, you know, got to yeah. start my underlining. <laughs> so if, if he's got aura, wait, say that again. He's got enough aura. I, what? Sorry. It's it, he, he His aura, it says it doesn't do much to the colors around him but it does make them a little bit more intense okay so he's reached the second heightening or he's not quite at the second heightening no i don't think that he is well he yeah i feel like he talks about in a minute like where he is but yeah i don't remember i just know that lightborn talks about how like the first heightening has to do with perfect pitch and then the second heightening has to do with seeing true color so yeah that's seeing colors it's not like the effect that you have on colors that's sort of ah Gotcha. Far under way for. They'll explain later. Maybe. It's There's Brandon. not going to ever explain any of it. Oh, that's true. Brandon does yeah. have a tendency to explain <laughs> in detail. You're not wrong. Yeah. There's one thing I've learned about Brandon is that he will uh, very specifically define what his magic systems are, which is yeah. fine. Some authors do that. Some authors don't. True. 
the guards find in his stuff a sword. They're like, hey, what's this now? I wonder who he stole this from. So it's a, it is a long, thin-bladed sword in a silver sheath, sheath with a hilt of pure black. We find out uh, there's a note. Hellendrin has no aristocracy. So there's a, a note for how the society here works a little bit. And Vasher warns them, like, hey, be careful, guy. Be careful, friend. That sword can be dangerous. And the guard's like, whatever. And they go off into the guard room and shut the door. And then he starts doing his thing. Where he gets some straw and some stra- string from his cloak and makes a little straw man. And then Vasher breathed with a capital B. And biochromatic breath, scholars called it. Most mm-hmm. people just called it breath. Oh, he- yeah. This... This sorry, this is where he talks about having so many breaths and then he's at the yep. first heightening or whatever. Yep. Each person had one, or at least that's how it usually went. One person, one breath. Vasher had about 50, just enough to reach the first heightening. Not nearly as many as he once had, he said, but uh, a lot of people would consider 50 breaths a bunch. And so he uses awakening, also capital A, on this little figure. And he tells the little straw man to fetch keys. The straw figure stood, raised its single eyebrow towards Vasher, and then Vasher pointed to the guard room. From it, he heard sudden shouts of surprise. Not much time, he thought. So, yeah, stuff's happening there. We should, we find out at the end that uh, they're dying. What what I got from this section, like when I'm seeing like the little straw man come to life, I kept thinking to myself, it's like, oh, this is what the baker in Shrek did to make the gingerbread man. <laughs> it could be, yeah. Yeah. He's biochromatic my- breath. <laughs> My brain went to um, a little baby group where they were like, go and get the, is, oh. is it two? And they were like, go and get the the thingy. Yeah, yeah the head, the new head. head thing. Thing. Yeah. yeah. Comes back with the toe. That would explain <laughs> screaming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, that could happen. Oh, we've we got to stop giving the, pres- the prisoners pot plants. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But Vasher then also awakens his cloak, which is shaped like has rips and stuff shape shape make it shaped like a guy and also matching the scars on his body with the hood cut with holes to match his eyes so that it's more human in form, therefore taking fewer breaths to awaken. And there's an annotation about this where he says Vasher awakens the cloak. He doesn't end up using it, using it. A lot of people point this out. Him not needing it was intentional. I know it raises questions. But awakening the cloak to protect himself was a precaution, one that didn't end up being needed. But it's one of those things that annoys me in books when every single thing the heroes do end up being important, useful, or even a hindrance. Sometimes you pack yourself a lunch, but then you just don't end up needing it. Yeah, it's, uh, that's kind of cool. It's like a it's realistic a approach. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, this, this kind of thing where it has to be organic material or it has to be shaped human-like, it really reminded me of the soul stamp stuff it's like it's got to be near what we're trying to get it to do in some yeah. way that makes sense it has it to reminded... believe it a little yeah I, I, I like jamie's way of putting it because yeah that is kind of what the stamps were right yeah mm-hmm. whatever the object is it needs to believe <laughs> where, where was shy and like elantris are they all on the same planet Yes, the yeah, Shy in, in in the Rose Empire is on the same planet as uh, the city of Elantris. It was just on a different continent. That's planet right. Cell. Yeah. So kind of kind of interesting that Brandon's drawn the comparison to Elantris. Mm-hmm. I'll just sit on that for a bit. 
it kind of reminds me of uh, the name of the wind and it's like it's easier to use this magic if the thing is more similar to whatever you're trying to affect Mm. like it requires less power to use sympathy on something that looks more like the thing you're trying to affect yeah i guess that was the whole premise behind like the the voodoo doll thing like it has to be very close to the person you're trying to make it and you put a little too. piece of the person on there, and it makes the connection even better with voodoo yeah. dolls. And in this case, he, like, took an eyebrow off his own head and stuck it on the little guy. Yeah. And so he uses pretty much all the rest of his breath to animate his cloak. And it says he felt dimmer. Losing one's breath were not fatal. In fact, the extra breaths that he had used to belong to other people. Vasher did not know who they were. He hadn't gathered the breaths himself. But you do change, though. Colors don't seem as bright. You can't feel the people moving in the city above you. A connection he normally took for granted. Sorry, just to clarify, I don't know whether we had the clarification or not, but you mentioned before, like, everyone's born with a breath. That's what he says. Is everyone born with only one breath, or are some people born with more? He says that how it normally works is one person, one breath. I guess we don't know for sure that it couldn't be different for somebody. Yeah, I just feel like if someone's got hundreds of breaths, that's a lot of breaths. (laughs) <laughs> well and then we find out later the return gods which i mean i guess i don't know if they're considered people at this point but they have like they have like a bunch of heightening so potentially i guess they have more breaths but sounds like they can't use them in the same way mm. as awakeners so yes it's, it's interesting uh it it can be helpful i will say if uh you remember the universe that we're in and the even the different forms of magic power that we've seen have all, it boils down to like the same energy in a way, uh, the investiture. Investiture, yes. And so if you uh, think about breaths as just another form of investiture, it can help to. Yeah, and that's kind of the puzzle pieces I was putting together. It's like, well, the power, every power that we've seen on every planet we've been on is a form of investiture. So this is like, this is like the most easily passed investiture, though, I think we've ever seen. It's like literally you can just give it away. Yeah. All right, so he's, he says that he had 50 breaths and that like magnified his sense of people around him by 50 times. So that like awareness you have when somebody enters the same room as you, it, he, it, he has it like 50 times more acutely about where people are around him. So that's interesting. And then the little straw guy comes back with some keys and his little straw feet are covered in blood. And he's like, hey, thank you. And then he says, your breath to mine. And he gets that breath back that he'd used to animate the little straw man. And the straw guy falls over. Yeah. And this is where I wrote some notes. So first, I think we may have passed it already. He uses the term fitting, which, I mean, I'm sure you can't tell me. But I was like, what does that mean in this context, fitting? And then, yeah, he recovers his breath from the straw person. So, like... This is these are the questions that are coming up to me. So you, you let's say you invest. I'm just going to use the word invest because I assume that's what we're talking about because he's using the breath. Let's say you invest this straw man with some power. If if the does the straw man does the power decay? Does the straw man run out of energy? Like hmm. when when he got the breaths back, did he get all 25 or whatever he put into it back? Did any of it decay? Like that's, you know, could you give something, could you invest breaths into something and then it's destroyed or never comes back or it just runs out and you can't recover breaths from it? Like this is, these are the things that like, I'm like, wait, what? How does this work? That's an interesting question. 
And it's like, yeah, if, if that's the case, if it didn't decay, why do you need to give 25? Right. Like, like they I got, something. yeah, it can't be arbitrary, but I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, he doesn't mention getting back less than he gave, but also the little guy was only using them for like a minute. So maybe maybe even if it does decay, that wasn't long enough to cause it to decay. Or maybe he just didn't mention that it was only 24 that he got back. Who knows? Oh, and then, yeah, after that, he says the familiar sense of awareness returned, the knowledge of connectedness, of fitting. Yeah. Yeah, fitting. The connectedness, I mean, I kind of get, even if it's with a big, big C, the fitting, I was like, oh, what does that mean? Uh, and it, Well, he does say he used his breath like a reserve, doling it out and then recovering it compared to what he once had. Twenty five breaths was a laughably small number. So it does seem like he still has twenty five that he gave it the way that he describes it there. However, compared to nothing, it seemed infinite. So, hmm. so yes, he manages to unlock himself, and now he's going to go looking through the God King's dungeons. Did, didn't we just need another God King? Like, we haven't had a good God King in a while. Yeah, very Rorschach sounding. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, he was he was the God Emperor, so. It's mm-hmm. true. The sliver of infinity or whatever. <laughs> he, he, had, it, he explains in his own mind, like, how... He had to find a tavern frequented by priests of the iridescent tones and then punch one of them. So he got thrown into the God King's dungeon instead of just a local jail. Knowing the kind of men who tended to guard such dungeons, he'd had a pretty good idea that they would try to draw night blood, capital N. And then he manages to find what he's looking for, a cell where a guy is hanging from his arms or by his arms from the ceiling, naked and chained. And they've got this guy in a cell designed for Awakeners with no color because we didn't talk about it as we were doing it. But every time he awakens something, he has to drain color out of an object. Color is like the, the juice for awakening beyond breaths, I guess. Yeah, and so that's interesting to me, too. It's like the color and the breaths are required. It's not – you can't mm-hmm. just use breaths, which – yeah, it's interesting. They've got the guy gagged because to awaken something, you need breath, you need color, and you need a command, capital C. The harmonics and the hues, some called it. And it even explains that a command has to be spoken clearly and firmly in the Awakener's native language. No stuttering, no mispronunciation. That's, yeah, pretty solid comparison to Elantris there. There you have to get the symbol exactly right. No, no typos, for want of a better term. It's true. Something bad could happen if you got a typo there. And this guy has a very strong aura, which not not the not the greatest that Vasher's ever seen. The the most powerful belong to the returned, known as gods here in Helandrin. But this guy has a lot of breath, hundreds upon hundreds of them, and it's enough to really make colors pop as they get close to him. You you anyone would be able to notice an aura this strong. So there's another interesting thing is you can't if you've got a lot of this magic here. It's not like being a Mistborn where you can go unnoticed. People are going to notice as you're walking down the street that colors are like bending around you. And so uh, the prisoner Var is like, oh, good. Are you here to free me? And Vasher's like, no, no, I'm here to kill you. And apparently Var had a rebellion going on that didn't work out, which explains why he's in jail. And Vasher's like, I don't care about any of that. I want your breath. And the guy's like, yeah, well, so does everybody. He's like, but Vasher basically argues yeah, but you'd rather give it to me than to, like, the returned, the people that you were leading a rebellion against, right? And that's why they haven't killed him yet, because this much breath is worth a whole lot. And so if you kill him, boof, all that breath's gone. So they're trying to torture him into giving it up first. 
which another thing about this magic, you have to give it willingly. Nobody can take it from you. And uh, Vasher's trying to convince him, like, either you give it to me or the torturers will eventually break you and all that power you've gathered will go to the very people you vowed to destroy. And the guy says, that thing you bear, it's here in the city. And Vasher nods. The screams I heard earlier, it caused them. Not again. And he asks, if will you use that power, the power against them? And Vasher's like, I don't, I'm not, I don't have to tell you what I'm gonna do. Which you're about to kill the guy. Jeez, just give, throw him a bone. I guess, uh, you know, he's got his principle. He's like, I'm not gonna lie to you, but I'm also not telling you what I'm gonna do. And so he talks, he talks Var into it. Var says, my life to yours, my breath become yours, and Vasher gets all these hundreds of breaths. It's he hadn't felt such life in years. And Var's like, okay, now kill me. And so Vasher pulls out a scarf, and he awakens it, which it's like he doesn't need to make it human-like anymore now that he has plenty of breaths to use for awakening. That's just a more power conservative, I guess. So he awakens it and tells it to strangle things and throws it at the guy. <laughs> that, I was like, jeez, that's hardcore. Just, like, snap his neck or something. You're, so whatever. You're giving him a quick death. Yeah, it's it's. I feel like strangling's kind of mean. I'm just saying. And uh, then he goes to the guard room, and uh, oh, he first recovers his breath, the breath from the scarf. I mean, he's got a lot, but it doesn't mean he, mean he needs to be wasteful. So yeah, he's got to get more breath. The guards are dead. One of them sits in a chair. Nightblood, still mostly sheathed, have been rammed through the man's chest, and about an inch of the dark black blade visible in the sheath. Vasher closes it, does up the clasp, and then a voice in his mind says, I did very well today. I killed them all. Aren't you proud of me? Vasher does not respond, and Nightblood says, I knew you'd be impressed, sounding satisfied. That's creepy. That, that's the end of the prologue. So, yeah, that's... This, there's, there's your wacky Disney sidekick, uh, the talking sword voiced by... <laughs> the, the, um, let's go with Jack Black. He's, he's, he's pretty reliable. <laughs> Alan Tudyk. Oh yes, of course. Oh Alan yeah, Tudyk. it would be Alan Tudyk. You're right, 100%. Yep. Good old Alan Tudyk. Yep. For some reason, my first thought was like Vincent Price, and I don't. Uh, I'm not even sure Vincent that's right. But that was my first thought. Yeah. <laughs> Vincent oh, Price would be like, yeah, he'd be like, hello, children. <laughs> yeah, it's not a very well good today. <laughs> <laughs> Your Vincent Price was better than mine. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't actually, I haven't heard him enough to do a reliable impression, so. Yeah, the only thing I can think of is Bill Hader on SNL. He's like, ooh! I've seen The Great Mouse Detective, but it has, it's been a couple of years. The Great Mouse Detective is good. Yeah. Uh, he was on at least one episode of The Simpsons, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Everyone was on The Simpsons. Come on. <laughs> well, actually, no, it might not have been him because they make a point in the in that episode. It's like, oh, Vincent Price on the phone. I thought he was dead. And then they get to the end of the phone call and it's like he keeps talking about going back to the grave. And they're just like, is he alive or not? And they just shrug. Let me see. Let's see if uh, his deceased, undead. And he's portrayed by Dan Castellaneta in okay. Sunday, mm. Cruddy Sunday, and then Maurice LaMarche Got in Trials of Horror 32. Now we move to a different nation entirely, where we go we're, we're, we go into series head. So they keep going on about how this is the Highlands. So I'm like, well, everyone here is talking in a Scottish accent. Yep, 100% Scottish. Yeah. <laughs> uh. So, so I'm pretty sure the dad is just Gerard Butler. 
Gerard Butler. I imagine someone like I, I don't even remember the description of him, but in my mind he's kind of like a, a short pudgy king. But maybe Gerard they, Butler, why not? Well, I mean, they keep talking about he he keeps his hair black, but when he gets stressed out, it bleeds into red. And Jared Butler's a redhead, so. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it sounds like their hair just changes with whatever emotion they're feeling deeply, as if they can't control Siri. it. Well, yeah, sure. Know. Yeah, which like, and that's a sign of the royal bloodline, which is interesting to me. Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, just what we found out in the prologue is, like, you know, their, their co- the aura of color denotes, like, strong abilities. So it's like, do these people have innate awakening power, but because of their religion, they can't use it? Like, are they actually awakeners and they yeah. don't know it? It's an interesting it's an interesting thing because it's not described like having a bunch of breaths is where it makes colors right. more intense around you. It's like. Their hair changes colors with their emotions. It seems almost like a completely unrelated magic. Yeah, but I mean, if it's even magical, you know. Well, I'm, hair 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 color changing <laughs> with emotion. I feel like that's pretty magical. Hey, rings yeah. aren't magical. Uh, yeah, but they also are not really that reliable. Yeah, fair. So, Siri is thinking about how great it is to not be important. She gets to go out and ride all day on her horse and. She's not the firstborn yeah. like Vivenna. She's not the secondborn like her brother, even the thirdborn like Fafin. <sighs> this isn't foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> and there's there's one interesting thing from the uh, annotations I want to pull out in relation to this family. And that is that Brandon says the girl's mother passed away over a decade ago, by the way, in a riding accident. Siri does not remember, but Vivenna does. And that is one of the sources of tension between them. Siri is loved to just go out riding all the time, and Vivenna and her father, it just reminds them of their dead loved one. People need therapy. Yeah, well, most people in Brandon yeah. need therapy, let's yep. be fair. Yep, yep, fair well, Yeah. Well, and again, like, with that with that annotation information, like, you're really going to send your youngest daughter, who does something, a pastime, that your wife, I guess, probably liked as well. Presumably, yeah, so you're just going to send her off to die. That's a dick. And so she's out here riding. She's going to find some colorful flowers. Why not? And the thing is, in this society, in Idris is the name of the nation, they don't like color. Maybe as a reaction against Halandrin, where, you know, we saw the the bright colors, that they're all about that stuff. In Idris, they are very subdued. They got, like, the, the grays and mm. the... Yeah, just like it, Scotland. <laughs> it, to me, I, I'm drawing a, a parallel to uh, what we just read, actually, the graphic novel, because it's like you've got these people from Halandrin, which, granted, they don't worship the same person because Halandrin has their god king or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you have these people that think that displaying color and things like that is is not okay. Because their their god is the god of color, and you've got just like in the sand the sand people, it's like you had the one religion that uses sand mastery, and the other religion who believes that like the sand lord is absolutely one hundred percent against manipulating sand. Yep. So it's it's another parallel to one of his works. I feel like that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. But yeah, they uh, the Idrians worship Oster, the god of color, but Oster says that you're not supposed to show off. Austrian teaching said there was nothing wrong with feelings, but drawing attention to yourself with them was wrong. So you're, you're, you're not supposed to stand out. That's not good. 
You're not supposed to try to get attention. And she seems like someone who kind of likes attention, I'm just saying, except for when it stops her from being able to be useless. But in town, the stones have been whitewashed, clothing bleached gray or tan, all to keep the color away. For without color, there could be no awakeners. And I like there's there's a note about uh, about this in the annotations where he's just like, yeah, they don't really know what they're doing that much. Like tan is a perfectly acceptable color for awakening. And I forget if he says white or black. One of the two. They're like he's like, that's actually the best color for awakening. So Mm. they're, 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 they're trying to do what they're trying to do. Giving us hints, maybe. Okay, so if black and white are the best, ooh, maybe that's why this magical. It's not both. One of them is. I don't know. Oh, okay. I don't know. I, I was I was drawing that. If if black is the best, then that would make sword. That would make sense if that crazy talking sword was black. It can like maybe it absorbs all color or something. Makes it like super powerful. Yeah, he says black is one of the most powerful colors to use for fueling awakening. But Idrians don't even consider it a color. Hmm. Their browns and tans would also work. So, yeah, that's what he says there. I think stuff's starting to fall together already. I'm getting so many knowledge nuggets today. And so Siri rides into town. She hands out some pretty flowers to the children and gets home to the castle. It's not really a castle. It's like a single-story building. They just call it a palace. And the cook, she goes into the kitchen. The cook's like, hey, your, your dad's looking for you. And she's like, yeah, I'm sure he is. Skipped out on my lessons and stuff. And when she sees the flowers, she's like, and you've been corrupting the city's youth again. And I like, she's like, dude, Oster created the flowers, right? What's wrong with like, they can't be bad. And Mab says, Mab the cook is like, flowers aren't evil. Assuming they're left where Oster put them. We should not use Oster's beauty to make ourselves more important. And then Siri throws one of the flowers in the pot. And the cook's like, yeah, I assume that's like this one kind of flower that you can eat. She's like, "Uh, yeah, I'm not stupid. It's like, yeah, I don't want to ruin the stew, man. <laughs> and this is where we first hear about the treaty that they've got with the Halandrans. Father and Vivenna will make sure we're safe. Yeah, you are you put a little too much confidence in them, clearly. Yeah, they'll make sure they're safe by sending me. <laughs> they were just talking about sacrifices on a thing. There. Yep. Yeah, Mab's like, yeah, do you really want to end up in or? With uh, some devil sucking the souls out of children, strangling people with their own clothing, sacrificing women on their unholy altars. Yeah, it's like she was in the prison with Vasher. I mean, come on, strangling (laughs) people with clothing? Well, and there's a note about that that I wasn't going to read, but just uh, since you brought it up. It's like, if you think that it sounds like Mab knows a lot about Awakening and Halandrin, then you've picked up on something. Mab used to live in Titalir. She was born in Idris but ran away during her teens. During her 20s, she was a courtesan of some repute in the city. It goes on and on. She's, it's like a whole history of Mab. But uh, <laughs> and she will never she's not queen chapter. Mab. Jeez. Eventually, uh, she she does go back to Idris and is very bitter against the Holandrin upper crust as a result of things that happened to her. Mmm, crust. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's actually it, one of the things he mentions is there's a version of the story where uh, and you remember he kind of published some stuff online and then got feedback and changed some stuff. There was a version of some of the early chapters that actually got put up where Mab accompanies her as like her to to the city as like her lady in waiting or whatever. But after like a chapter or two with Mab in there, he took her out and was like, it's better if series kind of on her own. But Dak is not right that uh, Strangling people with their own clothing. Check. Seen that Uh, in a little bit. We're going to see somebody. She says some devil sucking the souls out of children, which 
sounds kind of similar to something that we see. You mean I'm not Yeah. Wrong. Did I say you're not right? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did say yeah, Dax he's not just, right. He's just not right. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, <man. laughs> this fucking volcano's all over again, bro. <laughs> Blunt way of breaking it to you as well. By the way, not right, man. Yeah. <laughs> Remember how Dax said this exact thing thing earlier that was true? He's not right. <laughs> that guy doesn't know anything. It's just you know, it's like he's never even read the book before. Jeez. Yeah, it's like his first read through. What a loser. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. And so after a series like, let me, I'll stay here and help because that's just gonna be my punishment anyway. So. And we cut to Dedalin, King of Idris, sitting at his desk with a letter. The letter came in like a, it's like written on pink paper. And he's like, oh, geez, what is this shit? Which, like, you know, when you're sending that letter, it just feels like just the biggest fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, we know these guys hate color. Let's throw it on pink paper. They're going to shit themselves. <laughs> picture, picture like it's it's delivered by a horse-drawn carriage, and the carriage is painted so garishly, like something you'd see in Carnival or something. Mm-hmm, it's got, like, spotlights blaring out the side, and they're just like, ah, oh, these assholes. Yeah. He's, they, like, their outfits is, like, colors that clash together on purpose. It's just, like, every color they could possibly fit on an outfit. Got a cloak that's trailing peacock feathers. The cloak of no particular color that uh, that guy in Name of the Wind has or whatever. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, Sar- Saruman of many colors. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cut that out mm-hmm. of the movie because there's no way in the hell that's gonna that's gonna translate. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we get Elton John to play him, my brain's gone straight to then like Joseph with his coat of many colors. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah. True. Saruman of colors. It just the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, Christopher Lee, the most fabulous cloak. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I always wondered in the ancient history, like, did, did Joseph's coat really have a bunch of colors? Or did they just say that because it had like four? And yeah, they were like, like three, wow, three colors, and no one ever had many that colors. <laughs> so, so King Dedalin has his general here, General Yarda, and they're discussing the situation. And the general is convinced that war is coming. I feel it in the winds and read it in the reports of our spies. Yeah, Halandrin considers us rebels. Hmm. This guy gave me like Viking vibes. I don't know if he gave anybody else Viking vibes. Mm. But then it like made me think these people are all like, you know, very, very uh, Norway looking people. Norwegian. Maybe. Yeah. So uh, this is it's Elsa and her, her Elsa and Anna are these two sisters. Can. Mm. Yeah. And Siri's like, do you want to uh. ride a horse? And then it's like, <laughs> no, that's how our mom died. Jerk. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. Okay. Fair point. So the general says war is coming, but if we keep to the treaty, it'll buy us more time. We cannot have a defensive war in the summer, but the snow appears so bad that if we can have the war in the winter, then we can let the conflict be on our terms. Yeah. Again, gave me Viking vibes. Like we're going to fight them on our turf in the winter. They're not used to that. It's like Napoleon in Russia in my mind. I guess the castle yeah. was basically a Viking long haul. Yeah, sure. Kind of. And so the king is trying to decide if he's going to send his daughter. He negotiated the treaty with Halandrin that said that he would send a daughter to be the wife of the god king or whatever. And now he's like, now that it's time, I kind of don't want to. They, the Idrians control some very important passes up here in the highlands that uh, 
have trade significance, I guess, between Halandrin and other areas. He even mentions Var. He's like, he'd hope that maybe the rebel leader Var and his pan-called dissidents would draw attention away from Idris, but he'd been captured and his so-called army dispersed. Useless rebels. <laughs> the peace would not last, not with Idris ripe, not with the trade routes worth so much, and not with the current crop of Halandrin gods who seem so much more erratic than their predecessors. So we go through different groups of gods, it sounds like, in Halandrin. Well, Light Song's only, what, like five years old as a god? Yep. So it's yep. like... Mm, yeah. The treaty had been his first official act following his father's assassination. So yeah, I guess you, you are in, incentivized to make peace if they're assassinating your monarchs. <laughs> it's like, oh, my dad's dead. Uh, they killed him. Guess maybe I should try to make peace. <laughs> and Dedalyn is like, if we send her, we're sending her to her death... And Yarda's like, eh, maybe not. He's like, no, you know the first thing they'll do if war starts is use her against me. They have invite Awakeners into their palaces for Oster's sake. Latest reports say that their army has grown to include some 40,000 lifeless. And uh, Yarda says sending Vivenna is a poor plan, but it is our only plan. It's uh, such an interesting concept, which I know, you know, we may get into more in the Light Song chapter, but it's like, think about it this way. If you had enough breaths... You could literally breathe into the Tarkat, or excuse me, not Tarkat, Terracotta. Terracotta, I, I knew that. what you meant. <laughs> I, I always do that. I get Mortal Kombat. In Mortal Kombat, Baraka's people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Confused with the Terracotta army. You can literally breathe breaths into the Terracotta army, and then you have a, a giant clay army. That'd be, be crazy. Badass, I guess, yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, to, to bring it into the parlance of our times, Thor 3, you got a bunch of dead dudes... <laughs> zombies underneath your cast underneath your palace and you just like light them up what they want the the reason that they accepted this treaty was that they want to introduce royal blood into their monarchy to give them a legitimate claim and so but he is having trouble thinking of his beloved daughter in the god king's arms being forced to bear that creature's child it nearly made his hair bleach with concern the mm. child would become a stillborn monster yep so you know very concerned about my first daughter doing that. My last daughter, don't give a shit. <laughs> she, she's not the beloved one. And so Vivenna shows up and she's like, I assume that I need to get myself ready to go. I've I've been waiting my whole life for this. I've been preparing for this. Siri probably won't take this well. We, I should probably go before she gets back from her ride. And then they see Siri gallop by with her bright yellow hair. And that just pisses her dad off even more. The royal like, wait. Law, a yeah. plan is forming in my mind. The color-changing hair is the identifying mark of the royal family who had fled to the Idris Highlands at the climax of the Many War. Controlling it is tough. Vivenna manages to do it really well, so she's got a lot of self-control in her emotions, basically. And he thinks, poor girl never even got to have a childhood, because she's always been prepared to do this thing. And finally, he's the king is like, no, I'm not sending you. You're not going. Lord of Colors, forgive me. What a terrible choice for a father to make. The treaty is very specific. I must send the Halandrin my daughter when Vivenna reaches her 21st birthday. But it doesn't say which daughter I have to send. And so, yeah, he uh, he's going to send the wrong one. It might piss them off. But they w maybe at least won't attack until, you know, nine months has passed and they get the heir that they're after. I just don't see what he would have gotten out of this if he... That he wouldn't have gotten if Vivenna had gone anyway. He gets to aside, from, aside from favoritism. 
Yeah. Yes, that's and that's on my point. It's like he likes her. He loves his first daughter so much that he's like, I don't want to send her. Her place is here with me. So I'm just going to do the same thing that I'm supposed to do just with the daughter. I don't like as much. Yeah, it's like there is no benefit aside from keeping the one he likes more around. The argument he tries to make when we see him again in chapter two is that like Vivenna is going to be so much better for the country, like keeping her here. She is intelligent and she will rule so well that that's the reason (sighs) that I kept her. It's bullshit, though, because his other child has been training to do that his whole life. And all the people expected her to go. Everybody knew about the treaty. So what does that say when you want to prop up a leader that your whole country assumed was going to protect you? You're not uh, you're not wrong necessarily. Yep. Uh, there's also there, there's also a note in the annotations that the scene uh, leading up to him getting or, or picking Siri, uh, he actually kind of made longer and longer as he went. And he kind of thinks it probably ended up being too long. Although some readers were like, hey, we want to see the scene where he says farewell to his daughter. And he's like, nah, I don't think that we need that. I think it it works better this way. Honestly, it's like I had a this is a big digression, so I apologize. I had a an idea for a story a long time ago, and it was some of the premise was similar in that historically kingdoms used to trade princes when they were in times of war and that was a way to basically keep the other opponent honorable right so it's like you have my son i have your son they're the heir we're not going to uh do messed up stuff in war we're going to keep this war civil so that when you know the war is over we'll trade back our sons or whatever like what dark side and high father yeah exactly so that's like a historical thing that used to happen. So I had an idea for a book where that would happen. And in the book, I was like, there's no way that this king is going to sit there and even tell his son goodbye. Now, this was due to the idea that the character I had in mind was an asshole anyway. But he basically tells like his highest captain, like, uh, hey, I, the prologue is basically, I'm tasking you to go take my son to this other king. And the captain's like, you, you don't want to. And he's like, you're to leave immediately. And the captain's like, you don't want to say goodbye to him. And he's like, no, go. I've given you an order. Go and do it. So uh, I feel like any kind of weird goodbye in this scenario in a book, it's literally just Siri in tears, crying, upset, uh, doesn't understand what's going on. And I'm just being like, OK, bye. Like, the, how else is he going to respond as a king in this situation with right. some compassion? I don't know. This guy doesn't seem to have it. Well, and we do cut straight to Siri being like, I, have, I don't understand what's going on. Why is this happening? So yeah, what are you going to have, like, her being like, Daddy, why? And he's like, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah, bye. Uh, she gets a grand procession, an honor guard of 20 soldiers, and the kingdom's nicest carriage to carry her south. And she's just like, I don't, I, I have to be his wife? I have to get married? I don't, oh, she's just, like, feeling sick in this carriage going south. Wouldn't you? Yeah, probably. And then we cut to Vivenna, who's like, I think you should reconsider this, Father. <laughs> like, I've been being prepared for this my whole life. Siri is not. And her father's like, "What? she'll be fine. All she has to do is have a baby. I'm sure that she can figure that part out. And Vivenna's like, so the 22 years of me preparing for this is uh, that that I was just a womb the whole time? And he says, it's best for our people. If war comes, Idris will need you here. If war comes, what of Siri? And he's like, well, maybe it won't come. <sighs> yeah. 
And this is where he goes, I didn't send Siri over you based on personal preference, no matter what people may think. I did what will be best for Idris when when this war comes. Eh, he definitely did. <laughs> uh, and Brandon even has in the annotations. It's like, I mean, he did it because he loves Vivenna more. Like, he thinks maybe that he's being truthful when he says this, but he's just deluding himself. Yeah, he doesn't want to think of himself as a bad guy, even though he absolutely is. Yeah, he just, totally is. Just because you're a bad guy doesn't mean you're a bad guy. No, no, in this case, it definitely means you're a bad guy. <laughs> And Vivenna's like, I was going to stop the war. Like, as his wife, I was going to persuade the God King not to war against us. And her dad's like, stop the war? Pfft. Dude, you have no idea. I mean, maybe I've even sent her to safety because, you know, if the war destroys us, then she'll be alive at least. Yeah, right. Maybe we shouldn't be worried about Siri. Maybe we should be worried about us. I do feel for Vivenna here because it's she's just being... Now told that, well, yeah, you know, you weren't going to be able to do anything. Like, so you spent your whole life thinking you're going to do one thing that you could have had an opportunity to go and actually do and try. But now you're being told that everything you were bred to do is not actually what you were bred to do. Mm-hmm. Gosh, there's a lot going on there. A lot to unpack for her. Well, yeah. And even even without that, just being like, you've prepared your whole life for this, but you're not going to do that anymore. Like, how do you handle that? And then you're yeah, right. On top of that being like, and that thing you prepared for, you were never actually going to do that anyway. Like, your entire life has been a lie. What the hell? Uh, okay. So yeah, Venna's mad. She's like, this was my job. They gave it to Siri. Siri. Now I'm suddenly, I'm redundant. I'm useless. I'm unimportant. Which is funny because we started out with Siri being like, man, being useless and unimportant is awesome. And now Vivenna's like, now I'm the one who's useless and unimportant and this sucks. Yeah. And then... We cut to Siri, who's hanging out the window, talking to one of the soldiers who's marching along. He's like, what was he even thinking? Like, the king's not sending me to marry the god king? And then, of course, in a little bit, she feels kind of guilty about that. Like, it's not this guy's fault. Why am I like? Ugh. And then she thinks maybe dad sent me because he got tired of my tantrums and wanted to get rid of me. Which, that's a little far-fetched. But th- there's easier ways mm. to deal with me than sending me to a foreign court. But... <laughs> Can you imagine from that soldier's perspective? He's like, oh, damn. She talked to me about this. Yeah, I mean, it's, she's not wrong. It is really awful. <laughs> uh, I don't know what to say. Guess I'll just keep riding. Miss, I'm not allowed to see my family again because I have to take you. Yeah, and she's just like, you know what? I'm going to send these soldiers home when I get there. That's what I'm going to do. I'm a nice person. Like, that's a nice gesture. Also very unwise because like just leaves you without any protection at all. That's true, but I don't know what 20 soldiers are going to do against a whole city and 40,000 troops or whatever. Look, yeah, got might be a 40, point. troops. 40,000 troops coming at me, I'd rather have 20 people guarding me than none. Eh, you're not wrong. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. If, if there's literally 40,000, it would be as if there were none. You might as well have one in that instance. It'd be like, you'd have the one to be like, hey, they're coming, run. And then that would be sufficient. <laughs> yeah. well, they could lock the doors behind me. True. There you go. You guys are in charge of locking doors. I'm running. <laughs> well, you know, like, yeah. let's, I mean, this is a princess. Presumably she doesn't know how to sail a, a small boat, but, like, these guards yeah. might know how to sail a boat. Drive a tank. We don't know what the technology level is of all of these countries. Well, they're using swords. That's true, yeah. I mean, Fasher's using a sword that talks and kills people on its own, so I <laughs> Yeah, but they said, like, they made a point of saying, like, oh, the, who'd you steal this from? Only lords have swords. So it sounds that's like true, not yeah. even, like, common people have swords. So that's a fair point. 
the God King rolls out and his with his talking catapult. It's like, all right, get get a Mickey. And he's like, yes, sir. And he fires a flaming shot. And be like, I got him. Nailed <laughs> it. We go back to Vivenna, who's with her other sister, Fafin, who uh, and they're picking berries because Fafin is a monk, and the monks of Idris yeah. like serve the people. And sir, I was just gonna say it's not anybody's fault. But Faffin just sounds like, you know, I'm Faffin about. Uh, yeah, I knew that. You said it because I, I was thinking of the whole time. Yep. Yeah, you know, it's not Brandon's fault. He, he he may or may not have known the slang when he wrote this. Um, I mean, sounds sounds yeah. like she's probably not going to be a big part of the story anyway. So. Oh, that's what you think. Faffin's oh, going to no. be the the new uh, she's the new. The she's going to be yeah. She's going to become a returned or something. It's like I'm a monk, a monk of Darkhor now. Nah, yeah, there you go. Super martial arts monk. Sell. Yeah, and also so, monster know, monks. Sac- yeah, sacrifice people for magic monk. She's a, there's there's a, a thing in the annotations where he talks about how you don't see a whole lot about the the Idrian monks, but he likes this concept of monks whose duties aren't very religious. They don't just sit in a monastery all day. They go out and they help the kingdom's poor. In Idris, if a man breaks his leg and can't work in the field, a monk comes and takes his place on the job, and the wages go to the family to support the people. Sometimes, if a father dies and can't support his family, a monk is assigned permanently to take his place at work and provide for the family. They go where they're needed, they can't possess anything of their own, and they give all they have to the people. Yeah, it's a cool idea. Also, like, they pick berries so often, many of them's fingers are permanently stained. (laughs) Every noble or rich family was traditionally obligated to provide one person to the monasteries. It was against the five visions to be selfish, even with one's own blood. And yeah, Fafin's just like, you you should be happy. You don't have to marry the horrible, gross god king. I mean, you act like you want to go down and marry that lifeless monster. And then it's like, he's not lifeless. Susabron is returned. There's a big difference. Or Susabron, I don't know how you say that. And she's like, yeah, but he's a false god. Besides, everyone knows what a terrible creature he is. And Vin is like, yeah, but it was my job to go and marry the terrible creature. Like, that's and she's like, no, it's fine. You'll inherit now instead of Ridger, their brother. And he's like, she's like, well, that's like I'm stealing from him, too. Like I'm ruining everybody by Siri going instead of me. And Fafin's like, I don't know why anyone had to go. And Vin is like the treaty. It protects our people. And Fafin the monk is like, Oster protects our people. So Ciri is headed down to the Holandrian court of the gods, where she will be forced to bear the next god king, which was supposed to be Vivenna's job. What's my job now? And she's like, you know what? I don't have much of a purpose here, but there is someone who needs me. Someone who left a week ago, teary eyed and frightened, looking to her big sister with desperation. I'm not needed here. Whatever dad says, I'm useless here, but there's some place that I can be of use. And that's the end of that chapter. Strong foreshadowing of uh, what she may be planning. And in chapter three, we meet Light Song. His first, the first line, Light Song didn't remember dying. His priest assured him, however, that his death had been extremely inspiring, noble. One did not return, capital R, unless one died in a way that exemplified the great virtues of human existence. That's why the earth's descent tones sent the returned back. They acted as examples and gods to the people who still lived. The, the name iridescent tones, like, is really interesting to me. It's like iridescent, so like really colorful, but tones are sounds. I don't know. I don't know what to do with that, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all of these, because he talks a little bit about it later, all these heightenings seem to have something to do with senses and not just the sense of like sight, because it's like the first one's talking about like perfect pitch. 
So I wonder if like each hyping enhances a sense in general, not just like, you know, sight, sound, maybe smells enhanced, taste, touch, you know, subconscious stuff. Maybe it's enhanced. Maybe that's why they ask him about the dreams. I don't know. Hmm. Light song had died displaying extreme bravery. Or at least that's what people told him. What the priests told him. So he wakes up and the servants start coming in. He is one of the younger deities returned only five years before. There's about two dozen deities in the court of the gods, many far more important and far more politically savvy than Light Song. And above them all reigns Susabron, the god king of Halandrin. He gets a giant palace, fancy silks. I like the note that we get later that there's not hallways because hallways are for servants. So you just walk from one room to the other. That's so random to me that it's like hallways. No, hallways are for poor people. We just go room to room. (laughs) And he has an extremely powerful biochromatic aura. So as they approach, like the colors just like really become more resplendent, it says. He had enough breath to fill thousands of people. But he cannot use it to, to animate objects or corpses. He's not a god, not or he was a god, not an awakener. He couldn't even loan his deific breath away, well, except for once, and that would kill him. So, hmm. He's also taller than everybody and very has a very muscular physique, which he's like, that's not even fair because I don't spend any time working out. <laughs> and here, his high priest is one of these double consonants, uh, Laramar, I, is, is I guess how you would say that. And he's like, how did you sleep, your grace? And I slept fantastically, Scoot. The night full of nightmares and obscure dreams, as always. And the guy's like, Scoot? Yes, I've decided to give you a new nickname. Scoot seems to fit you. So here's here's, here's a great big fun annotation, at least I think so. As you might guess from the past, this is based on one of Brandon's friends. (laughs) And uh, so he says that his local... Church group had a service auction for the local food bank. The idea was that church members would offer up services and then people would bid cans of food to win them. So he offered up naming rights to in one of his books so that you if you won, you would get a character named after you and based on you. Very popular, went for hundreds of cans of food. And the guy who won. That's cool. Yeah, I know. Right. That's that's very nice. The guy who won was Aaron Yeoman, who we see as Lord Yeoman in Hero of Ages. Ah. However. The other major bidder was a friend of his named Scott, Scott Franson, big fantasy buff, really wanted those naming rights. And he says, but I think he let Aaron have it as Aaron was very excited and vocal about wanting to win. And then a year later, I discovered that Scott, being the kind of guy he is, had actually paid for Aaron's cans himself and donated them on the younger man's behalf. So, right. I was so touched by this that I decided to put Scott in Warbreaker. Happened that I had a very good spot for him. I'd already planned for Laramar to have a similar personality to Scott. I decided that Franson would not work for name, though you do see that name pop up in Hero of Ages as a nod to him. Instead, I used Scott's nickname, Scoot, which I thought worked particularly well since it was only one letter off his name. And his brother claims that they always used to call him that. So so there you are, Scott. Thanks for being awesome. He writes. When I read it, I was just thought this is uncomfortably close to spook. Interesting point. Yeah. Much more wholesome than spook after you hear that uh, that bit, though. Yeah. And he's like, Laramar's like, I'm honored, your grace. And Lightsell's like, dang it, I was trying to, like, bother him with this nickname. But <laughs> And so once the god wakes up, he has to tell them what he remembers of his dreams. And then they try to interpret them, I guess, prophetically. 
and he talks about a dream he had. He doesn't want to talk about his dreams at first, but eventually he's like, I'm walking along the beach and a ship was leaving without me. I don't know where it was going. He's like, but what about the colors? Were there any colors? The ship had a red sail. The sand was brown. The trees were green. For some reason, I think the ocean was red. Hmm. And Lermar's like, oh, yeah, this this is very exciting. Okay, writing all this down. And he's like, I don't want to do this, but like, why should I begrudge people my dreams? Even if I think the divination thing is kind of dumb. I don't I don't really have room to complain. Like I get treated like a god and all they ask is for me to do a few things. Enough luxury for 10 kings. I have the least right in the world to be difficult. It's just this. He was probably the only God who didn't believe in his own religion, which that's a thing. People are like, you're a God. And you're like, yeah, but am I, though? Like, I don't I'm not sure that's right. I really just want to take up calligraphy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is uh, this going back a little bit, but I wrote this down in my notes and I forgot to ask. So it says that he could use his powers. What does it say? He could use. He saw a little value in it. He couldn't use it to animate objects or corpses. He was a god, not an awakener. Does that mean he can't use it because he's a god or because – or he's told gods don't do that? Well, it says that he can only give out his deific breath once and it would kill him. Deific breath. Okay. That's that's how it describes I mean the deific part isn't capitalized, just the breath part, so – Yeah. Okay. And then he, of course, has to mess with Scoot by being like, and you were there and you apologize for keeping me away from my debauchery. I was like, yeah, OK, fine. Should, should we just go? And so we find out one of his duties as God is to get, talk about his dreams so they can be interpreted. And then the next one is that we go to a wall or I'm sorry, a room where the walls are hung with paintings and poems, calligraphy poems, or cal- calligraphed. And so he has to walk through. And say what he thinks of all of these various paintings and poems and what have you. It says that he has each of uh, of these colors is a true color directly on hue as only a person who had attained the third heightening could distinguish. So yes, third heightening is perfect color Mm. distinguishing apparently. Yeah. And then, sorry, we go to uh, to where he needs to get his new breath from a little girl and he says why does it always have to be a child and the girl is terrified because uh, she's in a weird place and there's a giant god like hey what up give me your breath (laughs) so do we get an idea of how tall and stature how much taller and stature these people are Uh, hold on let me go back and see it says that he's taller i don't remember if it says exactly how much i think it said he's towering at least a foot over larimar okay so yeah so let's say everybody's yeah, every, let's let's say everybody's five feet in this world, then he's six feet tall. But yeah. if everybody's like, you know, six feet tall, he's seven feet tall, whatever. He's Harry Dresden. No, isn't Harry Dresden like six, seven or something crazy? He's like six, yeah, six, seven, six, nine, somewhere in there. I forget exactly. He, yeah. he, he's like close to seven. He keeps, uh, yeah. The little girl starts to cry, but she says the words, my life's yours, my breath become yours. And he gets a breath and he gets juiced up. He's like, ah, oh, now I got some energy. Yummy. The girl, the girl grew dull, the color of her lips and eyes fading slightly, mm. her cheeks becoming more bland. And he's just like, no, it's fine. Most people say they can't even tell when their breath is gone. She'll be good. Her family will be well paid for her sacrifice. And Light Song would live for another week. So this is horrific, in my opinion. Mm. Oh, yeah. 
because because you know let's let's say this breath is their investiture every person is endowed with this breath of investiture it's like okay just just shred my soul up and take like the god power that resides within me naturally from birth and i never get it back also like it doesn't seem like she was super willing maybe that's well maybe that's why they have to use children it's because the children like are willing to do it out of naivete even if they're scared Whereas, like, an adult be like, hell no, I'm not willingly do that, like, in the back <laughs> of their mind. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's it's pretty horrific. So the last annotation that I pulled out for this week is, why a child? And Brandon says, it, truthfully, it doesn't matter much. An adult or even someone elderly could provide a breath that would keep a god alive. But the breaths of those who are aged aren't as vigorous as those who are young. If Lightsong were given one of those to feed on, he'd survive for another week, but he would not feel as vibrant or alive as he does after feeding on the child's breath. The people of Halantrin, the people of Halantrin are faithful. Even if Lightsong himself doesn't believe, they do, and they want to provide the best for him. Hence, they use children old enough to know what they're doing, but young enough <sighs> to give a powerful, vibrant breath to their god. Ugh. So how many of these God Kings or not God Kings, God returned people are there? Because it's like, said that's, about a lot two dozen. that's a lot of children, man. It's 24 children a week. Yep. Yeah. But uh, yeah, without, without an extra breath each week, he would die. It's as many returned outside of Halandron only live eight days. This is, this is weird to me. Cause like, again, they're in Halandron. There's 20, there's 24 of these people. Like, once your breath is gone, it's gone forever. So that would make me think that the majority of people living in the city – I don't know how big the city is. Mm-hmm. But the majority of the people living in the city probably don't have any breath. Yeah, they're growing up without it. Yeah. Could be. Or maybe it's like an enormous, crazy, like million-people town. Who knows? I mean, even if you had a mi- millions of people in the town, 24 a week, and there have to be children? I just – mathematically mm. – you're talking about 52 times 24 a year, like, and you know, I, I don't know. It just doesn't doesn't add up to me. That Would that many children? 1,200 a year. I don't know. You 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 could probably try to math it and figure out how many people you would need to maintain 1,200 a year new children to handle yeah, their breath. Yeah. Well, I guess I guess let's think about it this way. Um, I'm just gonna multiply 1,200 by five. So. Six just since Light Song has been returned, six thousand children have been f- been fed on, assuming the same number of returned have been around since he mm-hmm. became returned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Light Song is trying to convince himself, like it's nothing to her, nothing. It'll be fine. And they, uh, he says, they pay them pretty well, so presumably the the money is worth something to them. I guess. I mean, pay them pretty well could also mean, yeah, we tell the guy the return that, but really, we just put him in jail. <laughs> yeah, it could be, yeah. Or send them uh, to like a like a slum. I mean, if they well, if they need it. Sorry, you guys, Jamie. I was gonna say there's a big feel that no one's being told the whole story here from anybody. If you're not telling the gods what's up, and he doesn't seem to have a lot of information, then yeah, you got to wonder who does have a lot of information here. Mm. And so yes, it's time to go look at those offerings I mentioned, the room with all the paintings and stuff. And Light Song's like, I mean, I th- this is like they ask so little of me, I will try to legitimately do my best here and so he's just and so he tries he not only does like goes through and looks at them he tries to be as honest as possible because that's what they ask of him so he he sees a painting of a jungle and he's like yeah this one's all right not my favorite makes me think of outside i wish i could visit and laramar's like you know there's not a lot of wine in the forest right (laughs) i could make some from Uh, something (laughs) 
<laughs> this is such an interesting economical system because you'd think that the these gods would benefit in some way from the artwork, but it says they destroy it afterwards. Yep. They don't sell it or anything. So like so you have all these people stimulating the economy outside of, you know, this returned church or whatever you want to call it by paying artists to do these things. But the the church is not specifically if it is a church, I don't know that it's a church. I'm just using that word. They're not specifically benefiting from the paintings in any way. They're mm-hmm. just giving out boons for basically no return. So it's an interesting system. I wonder if there's more like underneath this that we're not seeing, like maybe there is like a crazy black market for uh, God paintings. Uh, uh, maybe some don't, of them don't really get burned. Yeah. That return paintings that we don't know about, but hmm. so yeah. what happens is he gives his reaction. The priests write down what he say, and then the priests interpret that into an answer to whatever like question the person had asked when they submitted this as a, a thing, which seems like a very roundabout way of it, but whatever. And he does mention that or think about the fact that better art tends to get a better reaction. So people will pay a professional artist to do this stuff rather than create their own thing to answer their question. He's like, this is kind of this is all this whole thing is kind of messed up. But if it hadn't been for this system, I would have died five years ago or died again. So I guess I should be thankful. Although he is suspicious. He's like, maybe nobody talks about how I died because I really died of like a stomach cramp and they just don't want anyone to know. Apparently, uh, it's Holandrin is not a great place for colorblind people. And he's like, yeah, m- people won't admit to even having that usually. And so he find he, the poem that he reads. He's like, this one's not very good. Probably composed by a peasant and who then paid someone to translate it into artisan script, which Jamie mentioned earlier. It's a script made of dots of different colors or even like elaborated into colorful graphs that form a picture. So it's like it's like poetic art but also combined with like artistic stuff or actual yeah. like painting type art it seems really cool like i want yeah. to see it me too right that sounds really interesting so third heightening gives people perfect color sense second heightening gives someone perfect pitch returned were of the eighth heightening so he does he since he has no memory of before he returned he doesn't even know what it was like to live without this ability to recognize exact shades of color and sound because I feel like, I don't know if you guys have a different version than me. In my, Mine says returned were of the eighth heightening, but I, like my knowledge of the thing says they were actually of the fifth heightening. So I don't know if you guys have a version that says something different than that. Um, I think mine says fifth. I can't find. Oh, no, here. Returned were of the fifth heightening. Okay, so yeah, mine is just uh, an older version, maybe. But yeah, mine said eighth. And as soon as I read that, I'm like, I don't think that's right. But see, pays off to... No yeah. Is that like on. the free? Are you reading off like the free online one? Maybe that yes. one's still still I, not updated or something. Could be. Could be that like they updated the the later copies and not that one. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The last painting is the only one that really gets a lot of attention here. An abstract work with just a lot of red, like lots of different shades of red. Some with a little bit of blue, maybe a little bit of black mixed in. And he's like. Is that a ship that I'm seeing at the center, like on, on the sea, maybe? And so it actually gives this one kind of a lot of attention in his mind. But in out loud, he's like, good color, nice patterns. Puts me at yeah. peace. Does it make attention? I, I forget. Does the prose here make a parallel to his dream or no? I thought it said that he it like flashed into his head. It's a dream. 
Oh, you're right. You're absolutely right. It says vague impressions from his dream returned to him. Yep. Mm. Thank you. And so he's like, okay, that's it, right? So one duty left, petitions. And Lermeyer's like, oh, no, no petitions today. Remember? Your priests will be otherwise employed. And he's like, wait, what? Doing what? Kneeling reverently in the courtyard. Our new queen arrives today. And he's like, wait, today? I really need to pay more attention to politics. It's like, yeah, our lord, the god king, will be married. So soon? As soon as she arrives. He's like, yeah, Sessabron, getting a wife. The god king was the only returned who could marry. Returned could not produce children, save, of course, for the king, who had never drawn a breath as a living man. And Laramar says, we will need a lifeless command in order to arrange our troops. We plan to attack her. <laughs> so he gives a command phrase that will let someone else take control of the city's lifeless for a limited amount of time, and then it will run out. And only in non-combat situations. So apparently, I guess there's different command phrases for different levels of uh, command. Yeah. And so this is interesting to me. So the lifeless must not be the same. Commanding lifeless must not be the same as awakening, because he can't awaken i guess right because he he only i don't know i'm forming this theory in my brain i've been doing it all show and so i'm getting getting confused with what we actually have read and what my brain is thinking mm -hmm. um which i'll get to in predicaments but yeah i'm i'm confused about how this lifeless thing works then he is one of only four gods that holds lifeless commands so out of the 24 only four of them can command the army and he's weird. Uh, okay. Yeah, I forgot about that part. Huh. Scoot, did I have a wife before I died? And he's like, I can't, you know, I'm not allowed to talk about that. Knowledge of your past won't do anyone any good. And then he starts to describe a woman that he thinks he remembers sometimes. And Larmer's like, ooh, hey, no, hold on. This is interesting. And then he's, he thinks, what does it matter? That life's gone. Instead, I get to be a god, regardless of my belief in the religion itself. The perks are nice. <laughs> And so he's like, okay, I guess if the new queen's showing up, I want to get a good look at her. And that's the end of our chapters. So, predigments. Let's do, what do you guys, what, what is, we've established a bit of this world. We've gotten a couple of looks at what the hell's going on and all the crazy magic. What do you guys think is coming? Well, I feel like Light Song and all his fellow returned gods, are, they're basically just breath banks for, um, the God King to, you know, have a whole bunch of breaths on standby. And it's like, oh, when he comes to them and says, oh, I need those to go to war, they will just willingly give them up to him. So, they're, yeah, they're just, they're just being kept comfortable and happy and in a good place so that when when God King just needs some more breath to destroy his enemies, he's got some just willing people with millions of breaths to give to him, so he's all good. Because I get the feeling just something in the... Something we talked about in the prologue, it's like the more breaths you have, like, color just bends around you so it's very obvious who is powerful and who isn't yeah. i feel like god god king probably just needs to store his breath somewhere so that he can walk around unobtrusively and do his mm. thing but then when he needs the powers he's got somewhere on standby just to pick them back up vasha i don't know what he's up to but i feel like he's um i feel like his ultimate mission is to bring down the god king he needed all of var's breath to do that he's got some some plan in mind to, to bring them down but i don't know just the the fact that he really didn't seem to want to pacify var at all just says like he's got he's got something else hidden about the situation like he's angry or he's uh i don't know ashamed or something like something about i feel like yeah he's he's the guy who wants to fix everything but there's something about his in i don't know maybe he was involved in 
stuff and he wants to fix he wants to unfuck everything but yeah he uh, i don't know i'm just i'm just rambling here at this point i don't know where i was going with this well it's interesting that yeah you would say because if he was after taking down the god king right then why not answer Var's question? He's like, will you use it against them? Like these people that I was trying to bring down? He's like, I'm not telling you, but he's about to kill the guy. So if the answer was yes, why not say it? I don't know. Maybe he just hates Var. Mm. Interesting, yeah. <laughs> he says a vendetta against him. He's like, I hate you. <laughs> he's very specific. Like, your enemies won't get my breath. So it's like, all right, well, so you're clearly against them. But yeah, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, that's that's fair. He's 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 got to be doing something, right? Uh, that he needed a bunch of breaths for, apparently. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe his whole thing is like he's trying to keep like night blood out of the God King's hands. It's like, well, I need more breath to do that because this sword in the God King's hands would just like end the world or something. Yeah, there's a uh, night blood is maybe the biggest mystery at this point. Like, what the hell is up with that thing? And it how did it kill people? <laughs> like. How did it kill a room of people on its own? It was only partially yeah. unsheathed, so like even just like taking it partly out of the sheath unleashes some awful power. Yeah, like it's rammed through a dude's chest in the sheath. Like, why would you do that with a sword? Like, it, it's it's designed for poking through people. Why would you not pull it? Yeah, it was it's, it was it was just so ego. It's like, oh, I can't wait. Doink! Oh, I want to kill so bad. <laughs> it's actually an inquisitor inside a sword. <laughs> it's it's car but he changed his name to nightblood <laughs> okay predictions predictions as usual pretty early i don't have a lot of grand things but i'm thinking a lot about if everyone if everyone's born with a breath how do you get hundreds of breath like breath? Mm-hmm. How, how does this happen and we know from Light Song, Light Song that he you can give your breath away as a as a returned, but it's the last thing you'll do. You'll die. Mm-hmm. Perhaps the breath that Var and now our good friends that also starts with a V. What's his name? Vasher. Vasher, yeah. Maybe maybe that's where they got it from. Maybe maybe someone took or I. I a returned gave their breath to somebody who's then like divided it up somehow across people. If you're giving hmm. giving breath, it might have been where they want it back. I really like Dak's idea about them being like a breath bank. You know, maybe he needs to store a certain amount to get somewhere in his war. I don't know. It's all very vague at the moment, but it would be interesting if that is like from from a god, perhaps. My other thought that I had was, and I'm trying to remember it, it's been on the tip of my tongue all episode, and what did I just do with it? Oh, oh I'm really suspicious about the, the return, not not being able to know anything about their previous life. Maybe they don't have a previous life. Maybe they didn't die. Maybe, mm. maybe they've been, you know, born and raised like this and i don't know forgotten everything or I, I don't know but it just seems really weird oh we're not telling you anything about your previous life it's like what what's the harm of letting them know that's a good point yeah because it like what if somebody one specific person had something in their previous life that you're like okay we don't want to tell them about that i could understand that but this blanket like no no good will come of you knowing anything about your previous life for all the gods that seems weird right 
It's just very strange. <laughs> but at the same time, on the other side of it, we know that the God King, they say he was never alive. He's never drawn a breath as a living person. So if that was true of all of them, why only acknowledge the God King? They're all gods. Why not let them all have that same like status? I don't yeah, but then they're all the same. Mm. Okay. So you, you kind of need that status if you want to maintain you're the God King. You're the only one who can get married. You're the only one who's allowed to do this. If he's the, the only one who's allowed to do any of these things, that would maintain his his stature. But if you've got a bunch of people that it's just like, cool, I, I created you just to – I just need you to store my breath. I just need you to do that for me. Well, tell them they had a previous life. Tell them there's something different about them. You mm. won't even tell them. Like, you know, if you if you need to remain different to everyone else, yeah, lie to them. Why not? Interesting. No, yeah, I see what you're saying. It can be totally but – Anyway, I just it just feels a little sus- suspicious to me. No, yeah, I get what you're saying. It, it there's definitely something weird going on there. 100%. Hmm. All right. As Samuel Jackson said, Jurassic Park, hold on to your butts. I've got <laughs> I'm I, I know this is our first venture into Warbreaker. This is the first time I've read through this. I took a ton of notes. I'm swinging for the fence this year. I I I came in thinking there's something going on. And then as we talked and data clarified some things, and then we listened to some of the annotations, I've got a theory here, and I think it could really hold water. So I want to see what you guys think. So some of the guys, you, some of the things you guys brought up about like the gods and being breath banks and stuff, I'm not sure because because data said because I asked, I wanted clarification on the awakening thing, like they can't awaken, and like the. Uh, it sounds like, and if I'm wrong, or this wasn't what data clarified, maybe I maybe I heard it wrong, that there's two different types of breaths. These gods have deific breaths, I think is what data said, and so that's not the same as a regular breath. But mm-hmm. maybe I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure that's what the word you use, deific breath. No, yeah, that's the word that it said in there was that like it was his deific breath. But I did point out that it's like that might just be a descriptor because it's not deific oh, okay. isn't capitalized or anything. Okay. So he might just well, be like, yeah, I'm a god. My breath is a god's breath. But yeah, maybe you're maybe sorry. You're right. Yeah, maybe maybe the I don't know. It sounds like it's different to me. So deific breath, maybe that's the one they can't give away without dying. I don't know. Um, but maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe it's the same. But uh, there was a couple of things in the annotations and then um, the notes I took from the prologue and from this stuff that's kind of put me on a track. And this isn't like a theory that's going to affect all areas of the story, probably, but I think it's an, I think it's pretty good. So let me just start by kind of tracing my path here. So we talk about, first of all, these these returned, they have to go get they have to get a breath every week from a kid. It doesn't have to be a kid. We you know we clarified that, but they have to get a breath every week. So these breaths, what happens to them? Like after they give them? Dax said they become a breath bank, but if that was the case, why would they need another one the next week? And why are they feeling weak? Like the the breath does because if that's the case, then that means like the breath is decaying or something. Something's yeah, he happening. Says, he, he says he'll die without another one. So right, he'll die without another one. Maybe so, maybe that's a trick that they told uh, them and it's not true. But maybe. I don't know. He says he feels weak, like yep, he doesn't feel wrong. good. Yeah. Um. And so they need a breath every week to to continue to to live as they are. Okay. So then we've got we got that they say they can't awaken. 
And so we have this dude at the beginning, Vasher, who says several weird things. Well, obviously lots of weird stuff because new magic and stuff like that. He says when they talk about, you know, they don't expect him to have a sword because he doesn't look like a lord. He's like, well, he was right and he's wrong. So he's some kind of lord. Okay, that's that's the general sense of what I'm getting there. So Vasher's important in some way. Then he talks about Vasher keeps talking about how he used to have all these breaths. And that's I was trying to get clarification. Like if you use the awakening power, does the breath decay inside the thing you awaken? Because we see him get breath back from the straw man and he gets them all back. Right. So now the straw man wasn't empowered for very long. But if there was absolutely no decay of breath from it coming back, what happened to all these breaths? Vasher doesn't seem like the type of guy to give breaths away. As far as how Var got his breaths, my guess is if he's a revolutionary, he's telling people, if you if you give me, gift me your breath, and I will go fight for you, and I'll free us from this, you know, tyranny, this terror of the the God King. You know, so it, it'd be pretty easy, I think, as a revolutionary to to get people to agree to give you their breath. Right. So they willingly give the breath, having heard him say what he's going to do with it. You know, give it to me. I can do this. Plus, if you know, they have to have some way awakeners have to have some way to get stockpiles of breaths. So I assume they're coercing people. Maybe it's an even econ- economy thing. It's like, I'll pay you this much for your breath. Just give it to me, and I'll pay you for it. VAR just was really rich, and so he went around buying them up. Well, it doesn't have to be VAR, but other Awakeners, right? Other Awakeners okay. could be like, yeah. I'm going to pay you. Just give me your breath. Yeah, or like maybe. they they convince them in some other way to give up their breath. doesn't matter how. But that's how you know somebody could get more, right? But, uh, but yeah, so Vasher had all these breaths, and he's like, I used to have all these breaths, and I didn't have to worry about it. I could do whatever I wanted. So the only thing that's keeping me from saying I believe in this theory like a bunch is that they don't mention Vasher's of any particular stature. Mm-hmm. But if the if one breath – let's say one breath is used up a week because these returned have to get a breath every week. If you had a bunch of breaths but you have to use one a week, then you, eventually you're going to start running out yeah. regardless take a lot of how weeks, you use them. But, yeah. but you would run out. So right. my my big swing for the fences theory is that Vasher is actually a returned and that he needs more breaths from Var because he's running out. We know he only has 50 at this point, so he could live for 50 weeks. Right. But if he okay. but that's that's less than a year. It's, well, by our standards, I don't know what their standard is for a year, but that's you know a lot less time that he probably wants to live if he's returned. And so that's my big crazy theory this week. I feel like it's actually pretty good because I feel like there's a lot backing it up in the in the prose. Again, I don't know how much that affects the story if it's true yet because we're just getting into this. So, you know, we at least we would know which Light Song said there are other returned outside of Halendron. Right. And so we know they're not all gods in Halendron. But uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's my big theory. Other than that, I don't know. What do you guys What do you guys think about that? I don't know if I've. I feel like that's pretty good. I think that's. I I think that's a really interesting theory. I like the the little pieces of evidence that you've kind of combined into that. I mean, the only thing is we mm-hmm. we only see the only my only thing is we we only we've only seen one return so far, which is Light Song, obviously. Right. And he has this look of like you know really tall, really buff dude. And yes. We we don't know that that's the only way return look. So maybe the 
one of them could look like Vasher and you wouldn't know it. But if you saw Light Song right. on the street, you would know that he was different from everyone else. Well, and not only that, but I'm sure he's dressed much nicer than everybody well, else. Well, that's true, too. And but, I think uh, they kind of play with that in the prologue. And that's what I said earlier. I said my only feeling that this theory is not correct is that, you know, they don't partic- they don't mention if Vasher is particularly tall yeah. of stature or anything like that. Because I feel like, you know, if he's six feet and everybody else is five feet or he's seven feet, everybody else is six feet. Like people are going to notice that. True. You would you would think at least. But I think his garb, he mentions, you know, you know, they don't expect somebody like me to be dressed like this so or a lord he yeah. doesn't say himself you know so obviously he's like trying to be inconspicuous but yeah i'm trying to see if they mentioned his height or whatever i think something they did the guard is like they say you're pretty tough because you beat up 20 guys you don't look that tough to me but i think that may be the only like real description we get of him yeah and that's not really a description i say real no description. It's, it's, just, it's just him sizing yeah. him up i think is what the line is in that yeah. chat in the prologue so yeah that's we- really interesting I, I really like your theory. I think it's pretty cool. Do we get told from a reputable source that an Awakener and the God are different? Or is it just from, like, Light Song telling us what he's being told? Light Song I definitely just says is, – is the one who's like, you know, I'm, I'm a God, not an Awakener. But their gods all seem to be, like, returned and – I don't know that we've seen any indication that, like, to be an Awakener, you would be a returned. But that's mm-hmm. not that's not saying that you, you must be or you couldn't be or anything like that. We just haven't seen anything one way or the other, I don't think. A return yeah, could I be mean, a return, they've never had the opportunity to do so. Maybe. Because they start out, maybe. Like, whereas one gets out who maybe retains a memory or, yeah, I need this breath. Cool. Someone's given me their hmm. breath. Oh, I keep going now i can collect a whole bunch of breath like if you if you had your gods and you didn't want them to be an awakener giving them one a week is definitely a way to make sure they don't mm. get awaken anything i reckon mm. i might be onto something that's a good point if they're they're trying specifically to keep them from getting too much power they're like look we'll give you one for free you don't need to worry about going out and finding more hmm. yeah uh, that would if that was the case yeah var Var, I wonder if he's like maybe they have awakeners that are like living, and then maybe to become a returned, you have to have been an awakener. But I don't know. Yeah, it, it seemed like Var. They put him in the special awakener cell, and Vasher specifically mentions like all all these precautions are in place so that he can't use his breath to awaken anything. So it definitely sounds like he could have, or Vasher thinks he could have. Uh, but there's no mention of him being returned. So. Of course, there, yeah. I don't think there's a mention that he wasn't either, so who knows? Yeah, I think they only used the word like returned like once or twice in the prologue at all. So yeah, we have we have so little information, but you guys have managed to spin it into some interesting thoughts. I like this. Okay, we're running long. Let's do. We have no new reviews, no new patrons. We have one email, so let's hit that real quick. This one is from Mister Suit, who was emailed before. And uh, it says, thoughts on White Sand. The email sa- uh, says, Data, this should be time for the end of White Sand. If not, please hold it till then. It came in the day after we recorded the last one of White Sand. But that's because we recorded them two in a row. And uh, they probably it's weren't true. expecting that. So, hey, Sander Lange crew. So I think I've timed this accurately to get you all with the wrap-up of White Sand. I appreciate this read-through a bit more because I, solely, I am solely an audiobook listener, and I did not care for the graphic audio. I feel like I got a lot more depth from the story with you all discussing it. 
It felt very cheesy and not at all Sanderson-esque when compared to even his earliest writings. I'd love to hear your thoughts on whether the end of the story felt earned or not to you all. So we'll stop there. Did you guys feel like the end of the story felt earned in White Sand? Based on my previous experience with graphic novels, I would say yes, because I feel like most graphic novels wrap up like a satisfying wrap up is about like what we saw in the magnitude of an entire novel. I would say it was it almost got there, but because of the medium, I feel like graphic novels have a tendency to wrap up a little less tightly. Mm. That's fair. Yeah, I think it, I think it wrapped up okay. It was, I I think a lot of the story just felt a bit blunt, and maybe I mean I guess I guess you could say like we talked about this with the ending of Final Empire and some of the others as well. Like the ending like was very sudden and 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 kind of blunt, but I think thematically, yeah, it felt it felt like it was all earned. Okay. Yeah, I think like upon reflection of it at the time I was definitely like I was wanting something bigger to happen at the end Mm. but when you look at the thing that we did get I can see how we got there like I don't feel like it was like way too easy I was looking for bigger things to happen but like I think I think it was fair all right yeah all right uh I'll go on going on with the email also a preemptive welcome to my favorite Cosmere novel Warbreaker it has my favorite character and then, because they didn't expect that we had started reading it yet, in parentheses, it's data, it's Vasher. And is what I've been looking forward to you all getting to for the past year or so. Side note, I just made a huge change in life and retired from the military, which has made me a bit introspective. I can't think of any other author that has remained consistently active at the top of my favorites list. Do you all think that 20 years ago you would have enjoyed Mistborn books the same way you do now? I did. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, maybe uh, not quite 20 years at this point, because I think the first one came out in 2009, but close enough. Yeah, I think I think I'm at, I was at the right place to consume it. Um, I've consumed a lot of other things in between because I think we talked about this in the very first episode of the show. But Data tried to get me to read Mistborn before and I read the prologue and was like, nah, this isn't for me um, and, and never read any more of it. And so I think. Uh, it was probably the right time to consume it. I'd consumed a lot of other things in between that initial attempt and now. Um, plus, you know, not that the podcast is a pressure, but the pressure of talking about a book on a podcast <laughs> does, it, you know, does motivate me to read. So uh, I, I do feel like I have a better appreciation for it now with all of the things that I've read under my belt as opposed to, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Sure. I, also, I will note I misspoke. The Final Empire came out in 2006. And Hero of Ages mm-hmm. was 2008, so I probably read these for the first time around 2008. But anyway, sorry. Yeah, I would have eaten this shit up. <laughs> I wouldn't have thought twice about it. <laughs> See, we got it. We 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 run the gamut here. This is great. I love yep. it. Yeah. Yeah. Since this was Jamie's first real experience in fantasy, then yeah, probably Jamie of 20 years ago, not uh, not real interested. Not have considered it at all. Jamie today maybe wouldn't have been real interested if uh, if Dak wasn't like, hey, come on, you want to do this with us, right? A hundred percent, but it's definitely opened my eyes and I I am loving it. So, yay! In, in twenty years' time, will I still enjoy it? Probably. <laughs> there you go. Uh, okay. Anyways, wasn't to the time of next. Colo. P.S. Fuck spook. That's all. <laughs> hey, you're my kind of person. 
<laughs> so yes, thank so you. Congratulations for the military. Yeah, that's a, that is a big change. Yeah. Good luck uh, yeah. with the next adventure in your life. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. If anyone else would like to send us an email, the address is thesanderlanch at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram and Twitter and Patreon, where I am approaching the end of my read-through of the Frugal Wizard's Handbook to Surviving Medieval England. So check that out. Also, this week, the unboxing of the Mistborn box came out, where I was finally like – I had to put the phone down so many times to open things, and there's like just black screen in the video. I was like, next time I'll actually I'll get Joe back just over call and we'll me. do something. Yeah, yeah, I know. Just call I just me. I don't want to wait to open the box when it arrives. It's part of the problem, <laughs> so I'm like, I want to open it now. So yeah, I live like five the minutes. Mistborn box had some very cool stuff. Uh, like the the Sunni pup was awesome. My uh, my now four year olds were instantly like, that's ours, and they slept with it every night that they've been here, and. Every night after they go to bed, five minutes later, somebody calls for dad and they're like, can you change it to the other side? Like, I want it to be a skeleton <laughs> dog or turn it back to the real dog. So, yes, it was very good. That's adorable. So you can check out those unboxing videos. You can check out the Frugal Wizard videos. Yeah. And hopefully soon I will be able to put up the uh, the Possum Hunters video that it's been like a year now that uh, you guys have been. <laughs> so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, just it i mean this is a plug maybe people listening know but dragon the dragon still website does have the first two boxes for sale on the website as well i'm hoping that they'll put the mistborn box up on the website because i'd really like to purchase that one uh after hearing what was in it from data so um but yeah when we'd previously talked about those boxes dak and jamie were like i mean we might like them but the shipping's probably expensive and then i went and looked and the shipping is yeah. literally more than the box so i was yeah. like oh Holy yeah cow crazy yeah yeah Getting the getting the Kickstarter just for the boxes with books in them. Oof. Oh man. Yeah, it's a little, it's a big chunk. So. Yup. So, uh, for next time, we're gonna do four more chapters. That's four, five, six, and seven of Warbreaker. Music by Miracle Sound. Like I mentioned, the new song is Fallen Leaves, the Elden Ring song. Next time, will we find out who breaks war? Probably not. <laughs> Yeah. Somebody's Maybe gonna not. break Who war knows? though, right? Like, come on. Yeah. Is war is war the shard, and they're gonna have to break the shard? <laughs> oh yeah, there you go. That's what's gonna happen. You're gonna have to take on take on the shard of war, the art of the war, shard, the shard of war. As long as it's not the, the shard ultimate. of war. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, uh, am I missing anything? I'm probably missing something. It doesn't matter. So, yeah, thanks everybody. Four chapters for next time. And wasn't to the time of next. Colo? We're probably going to have to come up with something new to add for this world. Be on the lookout for something we can augment mm. our sign-off with. <laughs>